Today I want to talk about connection um, and about being together and better together uh, that we are. Um, and it's a little bit countercultural at the moment, yeah? Uh, how we are so, so surrounded by things telling us to stay away and to isolate and to discourage. I don't, I can't, I don't live like that. I, I love being a part of a team. Uh, I always have. I played team sports growing up. I played baseball and different things, and I'm invigorated and I'm energized by being a part of a group. Whether, uh, Although group projects somehow never seem to do the same thing at school. I don't know if you all agree with that, but group projects just didn't, not everybody on the team was choosing to be on that team, so uh, the, being on a sports team was a little different because we all wanted to win, we all wanted to do well, we all had this camaraderie. So I also found that in my, in my early years in, in music. I'm a, I played trombone, and so I grew up in school and playing trombone in different bands and ensembles, and it opened great, great doors for me to go and travel and do different things and played at the highest levels of certain activities, and it is um, one of the most amazing things that I've ever done and experienced as far as doing something as a part of a team. Um, but we are a part of a, the best team. We are part of the body of Christ. And the things and, and, and the experiences that I experienced um, standing on a football field playing with 150 other, other people in front of 40,000 people cheering and yelling for you and the kind of excitement and, and just like life that was given to me in that moment doesn't compare to the life and, and the excitement that is given to me through the Holy Spirit when I am connected to the body of Christ. And the things that I will yet experience will be even greater than the things that I have already experienced. And the miracles that I have, ha have had in my own life, seeing the birth of my children when we were told we couldn't have them, you have 1% chance, and one being birthed through all kinds of treatments, and one just being miraculously born out of, out of natural causes. And it's just, that's the best and nicest way to say it. Uh, it's not youth ministry, you all understand. Um, so, the miracles that uh, will happen ahead of me are far greater than the ones that I've seen, and what I have seen blows my mind. Um, so we are supposed to be connected. We're designed to be a body, and, and we're supposed to function. So when you isolate yourself and you move outside of that body, you actually prevent yourself from living in the full counsel of God, right? A very simple analogy of like take a body part and, and take it off the body and put it over there, it will soon almost immediately die, right? It has no function, no purpose. Maybe if you feel like you have no purpose, maybe you're disconnected from the body, right? Maybe also when something is disconnected from the body, the other parts of the body cannot work to help it. When you have illness in your body or, or, or influenza or whatever, that's a weird word that I said, when you have infection, right? The, your body goes vroom. Other parts of your body, other things work together to get what shouldn't be out of where it is. And so when you disconnect from the body and you experience something that you need others, you need another part of the body to come lay hands on you, but you're so isolated that they can't get to you, then you are living and trying to deal with that alone. And so we are supposed to be connected at a deep level, not to surface level, right? If you're only surface level, then we can only fix what we see. But in my life, most of the times, what needs to be fixed is the unseen. And so if you never let anybody in, even the Lord, 
you'll never get to fix, which is probably the root of the external problems, which is what is in the internal problems. So um, the story I want to read today is in Luke chapter 5. Uh, so if you'd like to read along, you can turn to Luke chapter 5. We're going to read starting in verse 17. Um, it's a very probably well-known story if you've been around church and read anything at all. There's a paralyzed dude that gets brought to Jesus. So we're going to start in verse 17 of Luke chapter 5. And it says, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. And it seemed that, there, that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So there was a bunch of people all around Jesus. And some men said, or sorry, some, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, and they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach Jesus because of the crowd. And so they went up on the roof of the house that Jesus was in, and they took off some of the tiles, and they lowered him, the sick man down on his mat in front, or into the crowd right in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does this man think he is? Who does he think he is? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, maybe that would have been a clue, because they, did, they didn't say it out loud. They thought to themselves, and then Jesus calls them out, but whatever. We're not getting to the, the stupidity of the Pharisees right now. Um, he said to them, and he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say uh, your sins are forgiven or to say stand up and walk? So I pro will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. I love this story. Uh, and I really hope that I haven't taught on this on a Sunday morning before. But if I have, there's new revelation today for this, for this day. I want to talk about the four dudes that brought the paralyzed man. That is, to me, a picture of the body of Christ working together. I'm going to venture to guess that they believed. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been willing to like, go to such great lengths to do this, right? So I believe that they were believers. So they had compassion and God vision and perspective in their life. Because as they're walking, my, I don't know, my guess is they had heard that Jesus was in town, right? Like everybody else. And if you read right before this, Jesus had healed, healed, healed the dude to leprosy. And so like he's, he's well known at this point. It's not news like who Jesus is anymore. He's getting famous, right? The word is spreading. And when he comes into your town, you bring all the sick people and all the, and you, right? So they're like probably headed out. We're going to go see Jesus. We're going to see what's happened. And they find on their way, they find this paralyzed dude. They see him. And they have compassion. Not just, oh, we'll keep you in our prayers. On we go, right? But they had compassion, but they also had God vision and perspective because they saw him healed before he was healed. If they didn't believe that it could happen, they wouldn't have picked him up, right? So they had God vision. 
perspective is really weird and crazy. Like, right now my phone looks bigger than all of you because it's close to my face, right? It, this is really giant. I went to, uh, on, when I was marching drum corps, a marching band thing, I, went, I got to go to Europe, which is really cool. So I got to see the Eiffel Tower. And what does every 18-year-old kid do when they get to see the Eiffel Tower? You go back here, and then you go like this, and then you take a picture. So it looks like you're holding the Eiffel, <laughs> Eiffel Tower in your fingers, right? That's what every kid does. And so I have that picture. But it's perspective. Giant thing I'm holding in my fingers. And so often we are so close to the circumstance. We're so close to the problem that we see God behind it and he looks so small. He can't possibly understand. He couldn't possibly fix because it's so giant. All my life is crumbling. Look. But if we'll allow God to be our perspective for the vision of the Holy Spirit to be upon our eyes, we will see every great challenge, every great obstacle, every great disaster. It's just a tiny little Eiffel Tower that God can simply pick up and move. The faith of a mustard seed, it says, if we have, we can move mountains. So these guys, these four guys walking down the road to go see Jesus, see the paralyzed guy, and they have compassion. They see him healed already. They had the vision of God. They had the perspective that God is all-powerful. God can do this. And they didn't just end there. They took action. They took action. So many times we, are, we don't in our own lives or for those around us. We don't take action. We just leave it at a thought, a hope, a wish, a prayer, but I would suggest to you that prayer also should produce action within your life. Right? We can't just be hearers of the word, but doers also. And so they took action. They picked them up, and they carried them. And when they got to the house, they didn't go like, oh man, there's so many people there. Sorry. <laughs> you should try to roll, maybe. Like... No. They faced adversity. They, they persevered. They thought outside of the box. They didn't start, hey, can you all move? My guess is that the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the law were not the kindest and weren't going to move for somebody who they saw as unclean. Right? They probably weren't just, oh, you're trying to get to Jesus? Well, we're trying to catch him and kill him, so <laughs> get in the back of the line, bro. No. They got on the roof. How? I don't know. You think there was just a convenient ladder sitting there? <laughs> Probably not. Also, how does one hoist a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat up on top of a roof? You look at, I, I, I don't know. Where did they get the ropes? Where did, how did they get up there? Did they just toss him up and hope he didn't hit him on his head? I don't know. But we sometimes read, like, because that's like, this all happens in a sentence in Scripture. But when you play out the story and you put yourself in the story, what I would have given up. I, my guess is it wasn't an easy task, and they maybe tried multiple things. They're running out of time. When is Jesus going to be done? Is he going to leave? Are we going to miss our opportunity? Or they didn't, I guess it, 
wasn't Jesus' plan or wasn't the Lord's plan because the door wasn't just open. It wasn't just easy. It doesn't say that my path is easy. It's narrow and few make it through. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. The other path is really wide and lots choose to take it, but his path is narrow. And so they faced this adversity, they persevered. They didn't give up. They didn't let circumstances stand in their way. It's challenging to my own spirit when I face things in my own life. I just want to give up. And I lack the strength, it seems. And any time I reflect, it's obviously much easier reflection than in the moment, but any time I feel lack, I need to remind myself that that's my own flesh. And that is where I need to go to the Father. Because where I end is where He begins. And so when you've tried all you can try, and I want to try to get to the point where I don't exhaust myself, but I go first to the source. And I don't have to get to those moments of, I've hit rock bottom, or I have nothing left to give. Lord, you must... It's going to be you or I'm going to end it here or whatever. You know, this isn't going to be the thing anymore. I want to go to him first. And even when I hit those doors that are closed and those crowds that are standing in front of me and the roof that I got to get up on, carry my paralyzed man on and lower him down and then hold him in front of Jesus. It said that they lowered him down in his midst. I don't know for sure, but in my head, I see, like, here's Jesus ta- talking, and all of a sudden, boom, what? Huh? And they, like, like, assesses the situation. So they didn't just, like, drop him on the ground. First of all, that would have hurt the paralyzed man. It's already, you know, paralyzed. Uh, but they interrupted what Jesus was doing and say, look at this. We have the faith for you to do this. We know you can. And so they held that guy when they were connected. And it couldn't just be one dude, right? All four of them had to commit to this. All four of them had to do this. All four of them had to work together. Right? My guess is they had four points that they were lowering him down. So if one dude didn't get up onto the roof, nope, I'm out, I can't do this. I didn't do my pull-ups. I didn't pass the PE testing. I can't get up there. Well, maybe we'll hoist you up first. You'll be the first guy up, right? If one dude didn't do it, then it wouldn't have worked. How important are you? Each one of us is one of those dudes. What paralyzed man are we unable to currently lower down into the presence of Jesus for his salvation and his healing because one of us is standing saying, I can't, I didn't pass the PE test. I can't get up there. I don't want to. I'm scared. What if the religion, all of the what ifs and the I can'ts. What if we can get past the what ifs and I can'ts and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, to empower us, to strengthen us so that we can lift the paralyzed people onto the roofs and lower them in front of the presence of Jesus? What if your 
to what happened when the body worked together. And they were able to do all these things when they had radical faith. It was, they were all in, no matter what. From, from the moment they picked them up, my guess is in their heads, we're, we're seeing this to completion. They understood the power of Jesus. They understood the, what, what God could do. That's why they persevered. They had radical faith. We need to have radical faith. We need to persevere. We need to take action. We need to have compassion and God's vision. Get those people, get ourselves lowered down in front of the presence of Jesus. And I think it's really interesting what happened. We would all think, at least, I don't know, I would think, paralyzed man, the answer is he's going to heal him. He just had a dude with leprosy that he healed. Paralyzed man heals the paralyzation. Nope. Wrong. What does he say? He said, your son, son, my son, your sins are forgiven. Because Jesus understood that the outward expression of need was a representation of an inward paralyzation. And before he could heal the paralyzation that was on the outside, he needed to heal the paralyzation that was on the inside. And that mind-tripped the Pharisees. I don't think he did it unknowing either. Because he, he knew he, who he was around, right? So I'm going to heal this guy's paralyzation. But first, I'm going to forgive him of his sins because of all the people that are around me. And then I'll heal him. Get up. Take your mat. Because I can, I can show to the Pharisees what they need and I can also then show to the rest of the people watching. Because at the end, we've seen such great things, amazing things today. And they praised God. And then that moment was another moment that after they crucified Christ, that they could look back and go, oh no, he, was, he wasn't lying. Right? He really was. He healed that man's sin. Or he forgave, whatever. Words are hard, you guys. But, and so, the what happens in that story when he's laid down is, I think, the most challenging thing for me. Because, like I was feeling this morning, as we come to church, we, we, we get prayer, and, and so many times it's about the outward. We have our list of things that we want God to, to, to do for us or heal for us or whatever. And then he goes but you're paralyzed on the inside. And you're like, no, 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 no. Hold on. I don't need that. I need this. But without the inner healing, you can't experience the external change. And so in the moment right now, as you list the things in your head that you'd love to happen, the needs that you have, the Lord is saying to you, let me in. Let me heal the paralyzation that's inside. And then watch what happens on the outside. Mm, it's so good. Jesus is the author and finisher of our face. He is our healer. He is our savior. And you know, we're all born in a sinful state. 
There's not one person here that is without the need of a savior. We are all paralyzed. You know what? Sometimes I need an inner healing again. It is a process. And God is so, so patient and so graceful. It makes me think of, uh, uh, I just read a story with my son, Owen, uh, the story of Jonah and how, how Jonah is asked to go to Nineveh. And he's like, nope, I don't want to do that. And he disobeys God and he goes the other way. And the whole fish and the belly and, and then he goes to, and then he goes to, that's the abridged version. It's not actually in there. But then he finally goes. The patience that the Lord has for our hard-heartedness, our stubbornness, our fear, our list all the things. I'm just listing my own. Maybe you find yourself in, in there too. I am so thankful for the patience of the Lord. He will wait. He will continue to knock. He will continue to be right there for that moment where you turn. And he will heal. This morning, what do you need healing for? Are you paralyzed? Do you feel like you have no purpose? Are you disconnected? This morning is the morning that the Lord will work in your life, will heal your broken places. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, this morning is the morning that you accept him and that your sins are forgiven. There is no record of wrong. He has no book of all the things that you have done. You are wiped clean. He has God perspective. He sees you holy. Because in fact, when you say, Lord, you, I believe, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, what happens is the Holy Spirit, Jesus, comes and washes you. And what God sees is Jesus in front of you, making you perfect, making you holy. And every step you take from then on, he's with you. And when you start to fall, he grabs you. 